You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I know what I saw. How many times have you heard that before? In this special edition of Monster Talk, we're going to take a look at the tools we use to recall everything, from encounters with ghosts, monsters, or aliens, to recalling what you had for breakfast three days ago. We all use the same tools, perception and memory. But we're all being constantly told that our perception and memory are fantastic. Yet it simply isn't so. None of us are video recorders, and none of us are unbiased reporters. What follows is a compilation of interviews with memory researcher Elizabeth Loftus and perception researcher Richard Wiseman. Listen, and you'll learn how perilous and frail are the tools and materials that we use to build our fortresses of certitude. This is a Monster Talk special. Seeing is believing. Monster Talk. When I think about some of the things that people believe that that I know aren't really true based on the science and the scientific literature that is the body of the field of memory, I I know that many people believe that memory works like a videotape recorder and you record it and play it back. That's not true. Um, Many people think that the cross-racial identification situation where you have a stranger of one race trying to identify uh, a person of another race uh, whom they've only seen briefly. We, we know from the science people make more mistakes, but not everybody who's judging eyewitness testimony understands that. And that may be one of the reasons why we have so many mistaken identifications that are cross-racial. M- many people believe that if somebody says, I'm absolutely sure that they're almost certainly right. But in fact, confidence is, is not a particularly great predictor of accuracy. So those are just a few examples. I guess when it comes to perception, um, this, this myth, which I'm not even certain where it's grown up, but this myth that um, our heads are like film cameras or, or video cameras, and we're, we're perceiving pretty much all of the world all of the time, and then we're somehow storing that in our heads. Um, I mean, it's, it's just complete madness. Um, it would just require the brain the size of a planet in order to be able to do that. It just doesn't make any sense at all. And so if visual illusions tell us anything, is that we cut corners all of the time, which is a perfectly sensible thing to do. We make assumptions about what's important in the world, and we focus our attention on those events and don't look at the surroundings. When it comes to memory, we remember what we think was important, and we let the uh, information drop away very rapidly. And, and most of the time, those mechanisms serve us very well indeed. They allow us to be as brilliant as we are 
actually are. Uh, some of the time, under very special circumstances and optical illusions, one of those circumstances and magic tricks are another, we get it very badly wrong. So what those things show us is, is that our brain is not like a, a video a recorder. Uh, in, in fact, we're taking shortcuts all of the time. So, so many people believe that, that many memory, especially memory for a traumatic event, works like a videotape recorder that you, you see the, this horrific event and it's imprinted in the mind. And you hear people say things like, you know, I was so scared I'll never forget that face as long as I live. But in fact, memory for these frightening experiences can often be impaired, uh, inaccurate, especially, especially in a lot of the little details. I think all sorts of experiments demonstrate the fallibility of, uh, of vision. Um, I mean, basically any optical, optical illusion does that. Um, more recently, you've seen uh, experiments into what's called uh, change blindness, which uh, is where you show people some kind of fairly complex scene and they watch it. And what they don't realize is that, uh, you know, the clothing that people are wearing in that scene is changing. Uh, maybe uh, the actors are actually changing. And people simply aren't noticing those sorts of things. And so a while ago, I made the color-changing card trick uh, where 95% of the visual field changes throughout the uh, um, the, the film strip, and, and, and people just don't notice that. So those sorts, sorts of studies, which have only really been happening uh, in the last maybe five, ten years or so, are really starting to show us just how much of our, our world is actually constructed by our brains, rather than uh, us kind of looking very actively at what's going on around us. When witnesses testify in, in a courtroom uh, before a jury or a judge, they can be very influential. Uh, eyewitness testimony, as a matter of fact, is the major cause of wrongful convictions. What happens is eyewitnesses are testifying, uh, people are believing them because they're sincere and they believe in what they're saying, but even when they're completely inaccurate and somebody innocent is being uh, accused of a crime and ultimately convicted, it's because eyewitness testimony is so persuasive, especially when it's delivered with a lot of confidence and a lot of detail and, and even emotion. Beliefs uh, affect our vision and our memory massively. So really what we're doing is focusing on what we believe to be important. Uh, and that's a very sensible way forward. The problem is that some of the times what we think is important is actually not particularly important. So if you take a magic trick, for example, the narrative of the trick will tell you what seems to be important at any one particular time. So if a card is selected um, and the magician says, you know, look at your card, uh, that the important point then is, is what's on the face of that card. And you look at that moment, you know, that allows the magician to do certain secret things. And because you're focusing your attention elsewhere, because the narrative has told you that's an important piece of information, you're not looking at his or her hands, and that allows them to get away with some sleight of hand. Uh, if you believe in uh, the paranormal, and that somebody's doing some kind of psychic uh, demonstration, such as, oh, I don't know, bending metal, for example, you might not look very hard until something surprising seems to happen. Uh, when the psychic says, okay, I'm concentrating now, suddenly you focus your attention, you see the key bending. Well, actually, you, your belief in the paranormal there is tripping you up. What you need to do, not to be a good observer, is to be looking very closely before that moment. But your belief tells you there's nothing going on, it's not important. So our beliefs, our biases trip us up all the time. Well, people often ask me how, how reliable is eyewitness testimony, and the, the real answer is it completely depends on the conditions. So, um, obviously, if you have 
very good lighting and you see something clearly and you're tested, your memory is tested after a very short period of time, uh, we can often trust our memories. But the problem comes in when the factors are weighing against accurate testimony. So it's dark, you didn't get a very good look in the first place, a long period of time passes, uh, you're trying to answer questions about something that's really now pretty vague in your memory. Maybe you're trying to identify somebody that you saw. Maybe it's a crime situation and you're trying to identify the perpetrator of the crime. Maybe you've got a cross-racial identification uh, situation going where a member of one race is trying to identify a stranger of a different race. These are all factors that cause eyewitness testimony to, to become inaccurate. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When it comes to human memories, it's very similar to observation. Uh, what we're doing is not really just pressing um, rewind and, and play, but rather we're reconstructing the past. And so there have been lots of studies showing that uh, the way in which you frame uh, a particular um, piece of action can very heavily um, sway your memory of it. So, for example, um, you can show people a, a film of somebody looking around a house and then you say to people, OK, that film was taken by a burglar, someone who's going to come back and steal things from the house. Can you tell us what you saw? And people recall where the television set was and, you know, the security system on the door and all of that. Then you can take another group of people, show them the same film and say this was made by some house buyers looking around. Can you tell us what you saw? And they'll remember, you know, the size of the rooms and the, the decor and, and so on. So both of them seeing exactly the same thing, but then the way in which you frame it after the event has happened biases their uh, perception and recall of that, that tape. So uh, very, very important ways in which memory can be swayed. Well, one of the things that I've noticed in my research and observations in actual court cases is that we do rely on eyewitness testimony a lot. We listen to somebody give a, an account about the past, and especially if it's given in a very confident manner, and especially if the person is showing some emotion as they tell the story, we tend to believe it. It sounds believable, and we tend to believe it. Because we're not thinking of the scientific fact that even memories that are false can be delivered with a great deal of confidence and detail and emotion. Whenever we are in a situation where um, something anomalous, something uh, weird, something we're not really used to observing actually happens, you have to remember that all sorts of uh, factors come into play. One is normally stress. 
Uh, two is a surprise. Three is you don't know quite how to frame what you've just seen. And all of those things will disrupt your observation. And so, you know, if you go along and you go to a seance and objects move and you're in darkness and it's an emotionally charged atmosphere, then you're probably not going to be able to remember what actually happened. Exactly the same is true of a skeptic who might go along to a, a genuine seance if such a thing actually happened uh, and, uh, and, and saw some genuine phenomena. Again, their um, memory of that may not be very good. They may remember trickery that didn't actually take place. So it is a double-edged sword. Um, but certainly under circumstances where we're not used to observing, uh, there, there's no reason to think would be particularly accurate. Stress and uh, distraction play a big role in, in observation. When we become stressed, our attentional spotlight focuses right in uh, because, you know, you really do want to focus your attention on, you know, what's going on inside the bushes. If you hear a rustling there because that's where the tiger is or possibly where the tiger is. And, and that's where you really want to um, focus your attention and, and sort out what's going on. So when we become anxious, when we become stressed, that attentional spotlight becomes very narrow and we don't see what's going on around us. With distraction, it's slightly different. That tends to be a bottom-up, as psychologists would prefer to it, process. And there are certain things built into our visual system that says, look, if something suddenly flashes or uh, makes a loud noise or suddenly moves, then focus all your attention there because that thing is, is the most thing that's most uh, important. And so you become distracted. And again, you don't see what's going on elsewhere. So the illusion created by our eyes and brain uh, is that we're pretty good observers. We're constantly looking around and, and, and so on. The reality is we're focusing our attention in a very small place. And so because of that, we, we can miss big things that are happening right around us. I think it is a good idea that we try to educate the public um, wherever we can to have accurate notions about how memory works. So when they're deciding cases or when they're, say, law enforcement investigating cases, uh, they, they too have a, a kind of healthy skepticism about human memory. And that's what I and other psychological scientists have been trying to do to, to provide that education, either, either through our writings or you know, speaking to media or speaking out when, when a particular newsworthy uh, court case is, is in the news or testifying as expert witnesses during trials. We are trying to educate people uh, about the science of memory. Our biases, our beliefs uh, affect our vision and our memory massively. So really what we're doing is focusing on what we believe to be important. Uh, and that's a very sensible way forward. The problem is that some of the times what we think is important is actually not particularly important. So if you take a magic trick, for example, the narrative of the trick will tell you what seems to be important at any one particular time. So if a card is selected um, and the magician says, you know, look at your card, uh, that the important point then is, is what's on the face of that card. And you look at that moment, you know, that allows the magician to do certain secret things. And because you're focusing your attention elsewhere, because the narrative have told you that's an important piece of information, you're not looking at his or her hands, and that allows them to get away with some sleight of hand. So, so those sorts of beliefs are very uh, important. In terms of wider beliefs, uh, if you believe in uh, the paranormal and that somebody's doing some kind of psychic uh, demonstration, such as, oh, I don't know, bending metal, for example, 
uh, you, you might not look very hard until something surprising seems to happen. Uh, when the psychic says, OK, I'm concentrating now, suddenly you focus your attention, you see the key bending. Well, actually, you, your belief in the paranormal there is tripping you up. What you need to do, not to be a good observer, is to be looking very closely before that moment. But your belief tells you there's nothing going on, it's not important. So our beliefs, our biases trip us up all the time. I've been studying eyewitness testimony now for more than a quarter of a century and as a scientist who has seen uh, just how uh, wrong eyewitnesses can be both in my studies and also in some of the actual court cases that I work on I'm I'm more skeptical when I when I hear somebody uh, talk about the past uh, I'm I'm somebody who who often says you know I wonder if that I wonder if that's really accurate uh, I wonder what's going on here. Um, I wonder if there's another reason why this person is saying what they're saying, other than the events really unfolded that way. So I guess that I do have a, a kind of healthy skepticism about human memory. In, in terms of perception and uh, memory, what you have to remember is that when you um, a trip type by one of these optical illusions or, or intentional blindness or change blindness or whatever. It's a very, very special set of circumstances that's being constructed to trip you up. 99% of the time, you're brilliant. You're brilliant observing what's right in front of you. And actually, you're pretty good at remembering what happened as well. But once in a while, and particularly the case when you're up against a fake psychic or a magician, someone there who's, who's really there to, to trip you up, all of those biases, instead of working in your favor, work against you. So most of the time, people shouldn't be concerned about this stuff. You know, they, they get through life fairly uh, well. It's only once in a while they'll get tripped up, and, and, and you shouldn't sort of um, overgeneralize those examples to everyday life. Monster Talk. This has been a Monster Talk special episode, Seeing is Believing. You heard interviews with Drs. Elizabeth Loftus and Richard Wiseman. Check out the show notes at monstertalk.org for more information and links to their work. Coming soon, we're going to have our very first Monster Talk live Google Hangout. And I've got some amazing guests lined up for that. Follow me on Twitter at Dr. Atlantis or on Facebook in the Monster Talk group to get more information and the time for that event. The results should be available as a future episode of Monster Talk if the recording works properly. Monster Talk is an official podcast of Skeptic Magazine. The opinions expressed on this show are those of the guests and the host and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Skeptic Magazine or the Skeptic Society. Monster Talk theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys. Additional music in this episode by Joy Fehrenbach used by permission. Thank you for listening. that you can now subscribe to Skeptic Magazine digitally? Just grab our free Skeptic Magazine app, currently compatible with iOS, Android, PC, Mac, Kindle Fire, Kindle Fire HD, and BlackBerry Playbook. Head over to skeptic.com magazine app to find out more and download more of your favorite Skeptic content. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.